Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. After more than a year of stress and trauma, the one area of life that may be suffering more than any other are our personal relationships. Counselors are booked up well in advance. Divorce attorneys say take a ticket and stand in line, as do the courts. With this in mind, Sheila and Marcus Gillette are here with us today, along with Theo, to talk about soulful relationships in a time of turmoil. Because you know what? We like to say, okay, a lot of that whole infectious thing is past humanity at the moment, you know, we're moving on. But the repercussions of that are not. Our world is different. It has changed. Our levels of stress have changed. Our levels of understanding, sometimes higher, sometimes lower, have changed. Our relationships have changed. So, welcome. It's good to see both of your shiny faces once again. Oh, it's good to be with you again. <laughs> it's great to be here, Gina. So yeah. let's talk about this. Now, you were told a few years ago about this, and you thought, huh? And now it could not have arrived at a more perfect time. Let's talk about how this book came about and what Theo told you all. Well, Marcus, um, about... It's been about three years. Three years. And I just asked Theo, I said, what's next? What, is, what, what do we need to share of your teachings that can have the, the greatest impact on humanity? And they just said relationships. Period. Full stop. Full period. stop. Yeah. No question. And you said, I said mm, it seems not a little mundane, it. right? But not no. feeling it. <laughs> but we really got it. We as we started to flesh it out with them, we really got it. Once you started yeah. digging in, but at yeah. first it's like, okay, thought it might be sexier or something, right? But here it is. And this mm -hmm. is the one thing I mean I see it everywhere. More people choosing to live alone now after after this and just saying I can't deal with humanity anymore relationships uh, where people are intimately involved, really taking a hit. Domestic violence is up. Well, the thing about living alone is you get to be right all the time. That's right. Right? You do. That's what we hear Theo say. You know, <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody, I get, nobody, nobody tell you you're wrong. <laughs> I get to There's, be wrong a lot, don't you guys? Yeah. <laughs> you're in a relationship. Of course you get well, to be wrong a lot. If you're alone, there's no reflection back to you of another, of another opinion. Right. And that's how we grow the most. Right. Really, to have that reflection of, you know, another opinion is so important to our expansion and growth. It is, and yet we seem to spend our lives trying to find relationships and partners that serve as mirrors, where we just get to see more of each other, but in a different set of eyes. Well, and also, <laughs> and also hoping yeah. that, that you'll feel the woundedness in me and I'll feel the woundedness in you. Exactly. Which is the old paradigm. And so... Theo's, when Theo chimes in on this, what do they say about that? About? About that, the notion we're just looking for mirrors because we don't want to be confronted. Well, that's the old ways of relationship because, mm -hmm. the, the, as Marcus said, the woundedness in myself will, will attract the woundedness in somebody else. And if I take care of you, you'll take care of me. And that just never works out. No, we still are thinking that way, mm -hmm. right? Now, movies... Movies are still kind of sharing that story in romance novels, but mm -hmm. it's not working out too well right now. It's not because it's an inside-out job. Right. We have to take care of those inner things in us, these patterns of beliefs about us that are simply untrue. The unlovability, 
the unacceptability, the unworthiness, all those things are things that have been developed over time that we've adopted from our environment, from other people telling us something about ourselves and we saying, oh yeah, okay, that's true. That going in and rewriting that script is what is necessary and loving the self is the utmost relationship that we should have because if we don't do that, we can't really attract that type of love in our life, that unconditional loving relationship that we all want. Because we haven't created a resonance for it. No, no. And that makes, it's, makes total or, sense. Or the knowing of that, of that for ourselves, as ourselves. Exactly. So what their premise is, is that any thought that we have that is anything other than unconditionally loving, loving thoughts and beliefs about the self is simply untrue and that we're becoming this unconditional state of being, of unconditional love the state of being of unconditional love. It's not a feeling or an emotion. Right. It's a vibration. And it's an actual w- waking, but, walking way of being in, in, in the world. Indeed. But here's the problem, okay? We've got subconscious minds. You know, we have all these aspects of mind. And the one that dogs us is the one that is the collective of everything that's ever been and mm-hmm. ever happened and every emotion we've ever experienced. And then from that comes the reactivity. Mm-hmm. When you're faced face-to-face with someone else who presents something different or challenging, and then, you do, then you're feeling judged and less than because it brings up those voices from the past. So, I mean, I'm going to have a conversation with Theo about this, but from your boots-on-the-ground view of it, how do we begin bypassing those, re- not bypassing, how do we begin transforming those reactions, that reactivity that just pops up instantly? Well, Theo developed a program that they've been teaching for several decades now called Soul Integration. And it's exactly what you're asking about. It's getting in touch, as they say, to the fragmented aspects of ourselves, Mm -hmm. our souls, that have developed those beliefs or adopted them, created them, in those moments or events that happened, that they get frozen in that period of time where the reactivity begins and it becomes a repetitive experience because the triggers happen in similar vibrational experiences to reaffirm those beliefs over time. So we have the patterns keep repeating. We keep inviting people in that keep triggering the exact same things because it's still looking to be acknowledged, to be healed, to be transformed. And it's Mm -hmm. a multidimensional process. So the understanding of the core circumstance, where did that belief occur? What, what was, when was it adopted? What, right. what happened? Right. Either earlier in this lifetime or in another incarnation. Exactly. Right. Where that emotional carrying, pattern carries over. This, this carries lifetime. over. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. when you have the awareness of the circumstance that created the belief in the first place, mm-hmm. you can have that moment of awareness where you go, wait a minute, I get it. I understand now. So now you move from reactivity to response because you understand the circumstance that created the belief that led to the emotional reactivity. It's yes. awareness. It is yeah. awareness. And that doesn't come easily. A lot of times it's hard for people to actually get an understand, a literal understanding of what happened or a picture or a remembrance. A lot of times that's, that's not available. Their mind isn't, isn't accepting that. But this can, this can come through without knowing the exact date, time, and circumstance. It can. Yeah. Or they'll know. Or they'll suddenly and see it, it. And it's not going into the rabbit hole of the emotions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a revelation. It's that aha moment. Ah, now I know where it began. And then you can reframe it. 
-hmm. Theo says, look at the gifts and blessings of that experience mm -hmm. that has made you the person you are today, the strong, viable person that you are. Because in everything that we go through, there are gifts and blessings. Yes. And the events don't change because that's history. But how we perceive it can change. Mm -hmm. The lenses from which we see the event through can change with the wisdom we've gotten today mm -hmm. that we didn't have then. Absolutely true. Now, <clears throat> one of the things Theo's been talking about is a new paradigm of relationship coming in. One thing human beings are generally so fond of is change at core levels. We all do okay with that. <laughs> Everybody loves to say, as it's not working anymore, you're going to have to do it differently. And it's going to take a little courage. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe it's going to take a little sacrifice at times even. So that part of the story, we're going to turn that over to Theo. How's that? Let Sounds him talk great. about this new paradigm in romantic relationships and about what's happening to us as a species that we're just wanting to bust out from the chains of the restrictive past and all of the challenges that brings. So, Well, and that's what this time's about. It is. They talk about this tremendous consciousness shift that's happening now, and we've all volunteered to be here for it. So it's a new adventure. It's a new time. It's a new place. And it's all about changing our minds. It is. And we're carrying yeah. all the old with us. Yeah. The old gets to meet this new demand of us, really. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so um, do you feel comfortable with going to Theo Absolutely. now? It is the beginning, is it not? It is, Theo. Thank you for joining us. We are appreciative of the opportunity to be of service unto you. You may ask. Yes, we have reserved the part of the conversation that requires new thinking and challenge for, to speak with you about. And this is the area where you talk about a new paradigm of relationships that is attempting to be born, that is being born into the world, especially of intimate and romantic relationships. Can you just start by telling us what this new paradigm is? The new paradigm of relationships now is preferential, not needy. For in the past, in historical pasts, in the sense of generational patterns that have been passed along for centuries, there has been this greater need to be together. And that neediness has been an external process, not an internal process, to some degree, for life itself and sustainability and survival. Mm -hmm. There's also the other part is the woundedness in one being attracting the woundedness in another subconsciously in the belief or expectation, if I take care of you, you will take care of me emotionally. And that does not work. In actuality, it never has because it's each individual must come into their own wholeness, their own awareness of that love of self. And in doing such, attracting unto itself its likeness, which is of preference, not need. And so what is happening now is a realization of how those patterns have been passed along and changing them. And they're held in belief systems that have been, as we said, generationally 
and societally passed along. And that is what is changing now. And it's a dramatic change because individuals now are self-sustainable. They can provide for themselves everything and they need to provide love for themselves as well to have that in the external, in reality of a primary relationship coming into the unconditional loving vibration. Thank you for that. And as you're saying that, I'm looking at this, the other aspect of that, because this is all new, and the clash of paradigms. And so we're going to get into some of what this will entail that we'll need to mature along the way uh, to be able to accomplish. But one thing that pops up right away is when we move into preferential relationships rather than relationships of need, and then you just spoke about the pitfalls of relationships of need for survival and all, but one thing you had to do is whether you liked it or not, you kind of had to learn to work it out or not. In the area of preferential relationships, you don't have, you can say, I don't need to work that out with you. I, I, I just want to do what I want to do. I want to feel how I want to feel. Is there another part of it could demotivate people from having the commitment to working through something if you really just, you don't need each other? But they're still living in the old paradigm. Yes, it is. Very much. So the new paradigm, there's a realization that it, out of a preferential desire to be together, there's a commonality of respect. Mm-hmm. And that then there's a desire within that respectful relationship to have a dialogue communication on a deeper level in truth and authenticity. There are no withholds. And so you know each other at a greater depth. Mm-hmm. And in this One of the things that's happening is when it comes to self-identity, even our own self-sexual identity and relationships, is it's as though humanity is trying to, you know, burst off the chains of restrictions of the past. And let's talk about this a little bit. That's what we're talking about is generational and societal Mm -hmm. experiences or relational experiences that have been passed along. And they're in us. I mean, we, we're born with them. Yes. And it's a re-inculcated into us there, through the world around us. There have been many things spoken about the sins of the fathers visited <clears throat> upon the sons. Yes. But it's the sins of, of all humanity visited upon the future generations. Yes. We do not like the word sins, but we're just using that as a metaphor. For that is what has been passed along. This is how you do it. And as many know, women are taught to be acting out in a certain way to be desirable to men. And men are there to be powerful and to have the money and all the things that are of import for life and and survival. And it's had different iterations of that throughout the centuries, of course, what that meant. But now each individual has the ability to provide for themselves in those specific needs. Mm -hmm. So in the preferential need is a desire for heart being fulfilled. Mm -hmm. That sense of camaraderie, the sense of friendship, trust, all of the things that are 
abiding in unconditional love, which is ultimately respect for one another. Indeed. And this comes to a word that is bandied about quite a lot, and the word is sovereignty. Finding one's own autonomy and sovereignty as a being, and not what we call giving one's power away. And this is a really big one. And and I would like you to comment on, on it in general, and then through the feminine lens, because women often just open the field and their energy is flowing to whoever else is there. And it doesn't matter if it's a woman who has a beautiful career and can totally take care of herself. A man enters the picture, the energy all flows to the men. What is it about this flow of energy that's so difficult to artfully rein back into our personal sovereignty? So that's what we're talking about, knowing that you're worthy that self-love, not from conceit or narcissism, Mm -hmm. but in the truth of honoring and loving the self and feeling comfortable in your skin. If you ask people, what do you want? Most would say they wish to be happy. Well, happiness is relative. Mm -hmm. What they want is being comfortable in their skin, feeling at peace, no matter what is happening in their world is a challenge for growth. They're desiring just to be centered in self. We speak of it as soul-centered. And in that soul-centered place, one can speak the truth. What you're talking about is giving one's power away for acceptance sake, and that has to do with survival and abandonment. And this is a very, very deep program and wound in females, people who've dominantly been incarnating as feminine. Yes, because societally, it's been proven so. Women had no power and relied upon the man for survival. What, what about the other notion in terms of energy flow and awareness of, forget the male part of it, forget the man, the woman in her own family, her own children, the people around her. This, I'm, I'm, I'm asking from this level as well, seems to be something almost endemic to most women as their energy is always flowing to whoever's in the room. It's just, it's like, it's unconscious and and not necessarily for acceptance or for love, but an unconscious thing that we tend to do. The nurturer. Yes. That's the female energy. Mm -hmm. And and males have that dominant protective energy. Mm -hmm. But understand this, now is the time to recognize both those sides of Mm -hmm. self, the masculine and the feminine, each Male and female has that within them. Mm -hmm. And that should be celebrated. And yet we still need to move into this new paradigm of awareness that either one can't keep perpetuating exclusively the same thing anymore. We do have to learn to recognize this and consciously, would you say, withhold, not withhold, but maintain uh, hold our own energy for ourselves. what would you call it? Because I know personally I'm horrible. My energy leaks out to whoever's in any room anywhere. I mean, I, I don't even... So what you do is that you hold your boundaries, and it's not with anger. Mm-hmm. It's speaking the truth, communication. How do you, do, how do you hold your energy in? <laughs> for an example, it's very simple. We'll give you a simple example. If someone would say to you, Let's go have a meal, and they suggest Italian food. Mm -hmm. 
and you don't like Italian food. However, you say, yes, I would Mm -hmm. love to do this Mm -hmm. because you don't want to hurt feelings. You want to spend time together. And so instead of saying, that wouldn't be my first preference, could we choose something that we both would enjoy because I would love to spend time with you? What a perfect solution. (laughs) It's so simple. (laughs) But so many times it becomes angry. I don't like that. Why can't we do something else? You always choose Italian. Or passive aggressive where you just feel drained and say, okay, I'll do it. And you you don't enjoy your experience. And that's what we're talking about. It's much better to say, Mm -hmm. that's not my first choice. Mm -hmm. It can be done kindly. And what you say is applicable to all aspects of life. Yes. It's not just about having a meal. It's about how you're raising your children together various topics that come up. It really sounds like that is the kind of the perfect entree to respectfully go into communion on points of difference. And it's communication always, Always. but it's truth. Truth is always accepted, always accepted. It may not be liked at the moment, but if someone knows they're told the truth, they'll accept it. And there's a great honoring within that. For if one tells the truth, you don't have to remember what you say because you would say the same thing over and over again, yes? So there's no agitation within that, but it's also trust is built. Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films, documentaries, and original series. There's so much going on in the unseen world. Hidden truth. Why in the media today? They still seem to hold back on these incredible stories. Behind an unknown universe. Where science and spirituality all come together. Gaia.com. Content you can't find anywhere else. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. This is definitely true. I think there are moments when people know empirical, um, historically embraced truths. There are also times when people are putting forth something, they, that calling it truth when it's simply a belief, when it's not maybe empirically true, and then get stuck. Well, the truth of the situation is this. It's my truth. And so how do you approach the subject of truth? Truth. Everyone has a truth barometer in them. You feel it physically, physically in your body. When you yes. speak the truth to someone or it's spoken to you, pay attention to that truth barometer. It's, Other things are just opinions, aren't they? Yes. And when you hear truth, real truth, time-honored truth, there is a peace, even if you don't like it, there is a quietude and peace that accompanies it. Yes, because you feel it. Mm-hmm. And that peace you feel is the trust. Mm-hmm. You can trust who spoke to you. Thank you for that. I think that's critical for us to understand that feeling again because uh, much of society, and we've talked about this before, has become disconnected with any empirical truth. It's all opinions out there. Opinions, opinions swirling everywhere. You can't go anywhere and get away from uh, opinions and points of view and to recognize that stillness of truth, I think, a thank you 
is absolutely critical. Most opinions aren't the truth of the individual speaking them either. Indeed. Indeed. So you, here I have this phrase. It's called so fully aligned. You have to be so fully aligned in order to have a spiritual experience or a spiritual experiences, which is really kind of critical before you're going to join with another person in an intimate personal relationship. Can you talk about that a bit? It's a work in progress, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Every, everything is spiritual. You don't leave your soul in the closet when you go to work or you go out and about. Everything you do is spiritual because you're a spiritual being in a human experience. You're a soul having a human experience. Your soul is eternal. And so everything that is, is being experienced has a spiritual bent to it because it's soulfully aligned to what the soul desires to learn from. Mm -hmm. So whether you're aware of your soul's desire or not, it's still a motivational part of the energy of the vibration of you doing what you do. Mm -hmm. And taking the time to be quiet enough to hear that soul voice, to listen, to feel when it's whispering to us or screaming at us, is really important. And life is moving around us so fast that oftentimes, most of the time, people don't stop and actually listen to that that's speaking to that's us. That's why you had a global pause the world needed to be on pause, didn't it? Mm -hmm. To recognize that you're a global species, you're all interconnected, matters not the color of your skin, the language that you speak, the place that you live. You are one species on this planet. And the changes that are coming now are of great import for the entire species and all other species. Would you care to elaborate? These consciousness shifts oh, that I are happening yes. mm -hmm. and structures on this planet, new businesses, new innovations are coming forth out of this pause. And old models are crumbling? Necessarily so. Yes, they don't work indeed. anymore. They don't work. And so it's evolving. And we've been speaking about this for several decades. Yes, you have been. And now it's at hand. It is. And now we go from our intimate relationships with something else you talk about and are in the, the teachings that you've shared through Sheila and Marcus with others. And that has to do with having a better understanding of our soul contracts with each other and with family. Of course, most of us have no idea we have a soul contract. We're like, what? That hurts my feelings. You know, we, we react to each other without understanding we have these Soul contracts. So talk about soul contracts to us, where they're made, in which dimension they're made, how they come through, how we can start recognizing them when they're available to us and working with them. So soul contracts happen soul to soul, as you would imagine. Souls are eternal. Groups incarnate together to support each other's growth. And so that's a contract. I'll go if you go. Typically, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. And you're supporting each other, and that grows. And you meet each other along the path. In the human flesh. In the human body. Mm -hmm. Now, think in terms of how many people you meet in a lifetime. 
tens of thousands. You pass them on the street. You're in in a vehicle, an airplane, a train, an automobile, the marketplace, wherever it might be. You pass people. You interact. You see them. How many people are you truly attracted to in those thousands of people? Very narrow band. Yes. You can be assured those you notice, those you interact with, whether positive or negative, you've known before. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how it comes into um, our everyday function and awareness in a family. You're choosing. Uh, it seems to me that oftentimes when a soul is incarnating, we think, oh, they came to these parents. But often, in my observation, we often will come through more for through or for connection more so to one parent than the other. Um, so it's, it's and so your with your siblings, for example, perhaps you came in with a soul contract that's more in relation to past life with father, but perhaps your siblings come in with past life with mother, two totally different dynamics, sets of lessons, and so forth. So talk about this a little bit and how we work with this in family dynamics. That's true. How many times have you heard someone say, I don't know how I got in this family? (laughs) Right. Or I don't relate to that one at all, my mother or father or my sister. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that is true by what you said. Mm -hmm. The vibrational frequency and dynamic A soul chooses the father, the mother. They may choose them both. Mm -hmm. It's all individualistic, you see. Mm -hmm. But maybe none of the siblings or maybe all of them. Maybe the entire nuclear family in that grouping is soul family and soulfully connected. That does happen, but most often it doesn't. What does it normally look like? Take your average family. Well, I would say that... It's possible that both parents were involved, but one's more prominent energetically for the learning than the other. But the siblings could be either connected or not because they're more connected to their choice of the parents, whichever one it is. Right. So how you can tell is ask yourself, if I met this person on the street, if we were not genetically connected, would I even... Notice know them. them. Yeah. Notice them. Yeah. Have conversation with them. Or would you even cross paths? That's a very good point. So now <clears throat> we look around our family, say there are three or four siblings. You say, I feel really strong. I feel a strong connection to my mother, um, my brother. I don't get who these other people are. I don't really feel much for them at all. Does that mean you really spend your time? Um, would you would you say as a practical matter? that you really focus on the relationships of those maybe you've had relationships with to further or balance it? Or out of curiosity, do you reach out and try exploring something totally new with souls you've never met before vis-a-vis the other siblings or parent? Not really. It seems to me it's more efficient to deal with the ones you came for. It is. Yeah. Nor do they want to deal with you. Exactly. This is a good practical conversation. I love it, Theo. What it is, is that you can care for them. You do have this interaction together in a family unit. But not to be obsessed if one doesn't speak to you or something isn't right or you don't agree. Because it's possible you will never agree because you're not on the same wavelength. That's true. And so how does this impact a family when... The child comes through the parent, and the parent's like, 
oh, God, I know you. You know, I feel such a bond with you. The next one comes through and it's like, who are you? Because this comes out looking like favoritism, comes out looking like a lot of different things. So explain this in the most gracious, healing possible sense. That's been part of this whole series about beliefs about self being lovable and where it begins. Yes. And how one can address the love of self when they've not had that expectation given them from a mother or a father or either one. So you're saying it's very important to understand this, depersonalize it. You may have never known this person. There may not be a connection. Don't take it personally. It's easy to say. Difficult Very easy to, to say, exactly. Because most relationships, primary relationships in adults, are still acting out the expectations unmet as a child. Yes. So this is a perplexing issue on Earth. But it's changing. Tell us how it's changing. As beings are realizing how to love the self, how to truly love that soul, recognize who it is, rewrite the script of the past, the beliefs. Beliefs can be changed, events won't be. And the beliefs in looking for the blessings and the gifts of those experiences and even those expectations that have brought you to the point of this understanding that can change and bring in that solid state of unconditional love of self. This, this obviously makes perfect sense because if, once you do learn this and you do master this sense of self-respect, self-love, self-care, this goes forward with you into other incarnations as well. It will. And so then when you incarnate into a family where maybe only one parent acknowledges you or knows you or cares about you, you already have this intact so you can help have a more healthy experience for your own growth and what you can contribute to the others in the family. That's a consciousness shift we've been speaking about. Yes. Yes. Critical. Yes. Can you imagine if everyone had that? Well, of course you can. That's why you're talking about it. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine if everybody was soul integrated and that's what this is about? Absolutely. You would have peace on your planet. We would have peace. Peace within and peace without. Okay, yes, indeed. And I really appreciate uh, this part of our conversation is so practical, so practically important for us and clears up confusion about my mother didn't love me or my father didn't love me. You know, it's less personal than that. And I think that's good. It can be personal, can, brought, can have brought some of these karmic patterns forward, but it can also be totally non-personal. So thank you for clearing that up for us. And I want to go into the kind of the big one as human beings the one that has probably caused more trauma with relationships than anything and all of its layers subtle to, you know, in the face. And that is the subject of betrayal, dishonesty and betrayal between each other, especially on really intimate levels. Please talk about what this does. goes back to communication, goes back to the integrational process, because when betrayal happens... It's not about the other person, actually. Yes, that's true. It's about the individual that is the betrayer. Mm -hmm. But everyone throughout different incarnations has been either the betrayed or the betrayer. And what is happening now is the realization of that. 
And it all stems from that lack of self-love. Seeking love externally rather than internally. And when one feels betrayed, it's not just outside the self. There has been a dynamic that has drawn that into one's life. Yes. For a reason, for growth, for an understanding of who has a belief of unlovability. Because it's really not about the other person at all. That is true. And so the, the perhaps the most challenging part is when that happens, it's a continuance of a lesson where one has already felt left behind, unloved, or betrayed elsewhere that has yes. yet to be met and healed. It's a repeated pattern. It's a repeated pattern, and that's good to know. And as the betrayer, that's it for the betrayed and the one who is doing the betrayal, their continued lesson has its own corollary. And please speak about it's that. It's a betrayal as well. Mm-hmm. They both are. Being betrayed and betraying someone has the same energy to each individual. Because the one who's betraying another is betraying themselves as well. Their truth, their honesty, their their authenticity. Yes, absolutely, their truth. Yes. That piece isn't there. No. And so what do they get for that? A feeling of not being worthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes? Yes. Thank you for that. I want to, before we come back uh, to Sheila and Marcus, a couple more things I'd like to talk to you about if you'll stay with us, and that is um, the notion of reframing our birth family history. What do you mean by be, by reframing it, and what role does this play in uh, the context of what we've just been talking about? The reframing is the beliefs about it, or about yourself within that structure. As we've been speaking about the father didn't love or the mother didn't love, those expectations of unconditional love being unmet. And so... What is recognized now is that has to come from the inside of you. That love of self, honoring of self, knowing that you are a worthy, divine, magnificent being that has chosen this human existence. And that's not from conceit, arrogance, or narcissism. It's from soul-centeredness. And in that, there's humility, a feeling of peace within and so that's what this is all about. The, then one loses the need to have to constantly prove themselves to and against the world. Yes. What are they trying to prove? Their worthiness. If one feels worthy, it doesn't have to be proven. And once nothing needs to be proven, look what happens to the world's institutions. Yes. But it... The expansion that can come. Yes. And the collaboration. The creativity. Yes. And so is I would be I'm going to talk to um, Sheila and Marcus about the notion of when the time has come, as has happened right now at this period of time, with the great awakening, uh, the great isolation, where it comes time for people to say, 
uh, to acknowledge that their relationship has served its purpose. I will talk to them about that in a minute. But I'd like to ask you, before you and I um, conclude this part of the conversation, is there anything else? I mean, I know they're, they're years worth, but is there any other single point that you think is critical to share with us at this time? So what you're going to find out is as this evolves in each and every one of you, there's harmony. And there's a realization of the beauty and uniqueness of every single one of you and an honoring of that. That is the new world. That is utopia. Just that in and of itself. Yes. For that, I thank you so much, Theo. This has been a wonderful conversation. It's so good to be with you once again. We are appreciative of the opportunity to serve you. And I have to say thank you again for all the other things you've told us in the past because they have come to pass. This period of time in and of itself, you've been speaking about for decades. And as you say, we're center stage now. And we need your help. And it is given in the asking. Thank you. God's love unto you. Thank you, Theo. Good day. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that had a lot loaded into it that is very useful by way of reframing our understanding Mm -hmm. of who we are, what we were birthed into, what that might have actually been versus what we started believing it to be. And right down through the notion of betrayal, very, very powerful, useful information. And now, before we say goodbye, let's talk about what Theo says and how how you help guide people. We've come to the time where many people are now pulling away from one another and ending relationships. And there's a way to do this that has grace and respect. What is the word you use for it here? It is uh, honorable separation. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about honorable separation. Well, you know, the old way of ending relationship has been you have to get anger angry and blame each other. Get your lawyers on board. Yeah, and, and, and mostly... You have to rev up a reason to leave. Mm-hmm. And if you and it feels more comfortable and like you're not being the bad guy if you're the one that, that is saying it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can trump up cre- something or create, create a, a blame. A blame, yeah. Because of this, I have to go. Well, maybe it's just you're you're completed this contract that you've had with other the other, and you've given blessings to each other. You've learned together. Maybe the expectations that we brought into relationship weren't met in this relationship the way we wanted them, but many other things have been. But there's always been love. So as Theo is teaching us, is just remember the love. And then you can separate honorably without anger and blame and making the other person wrong. It's hard to do. I mean, that's, that's a sure. new way of thinking. It is. But it can be done. Yes, it can. It's just, it's just like um, telling the truth again. You know, it's just we've come together for this time and now we have this other growth to do. And these are the blessings. If you can remember the blessings, yes, and if you can go away from it, and what actually persists is the love and the blessings. You know, Mm -hmm. you've done it. Yeah, 
instead of mm -hmm. the anger and hurt and blame. If you're having that months and years later, you know, it's a, you might want to revisit that. Well, it's going to carry mm -hmm. right into the next relationship. Yeah, we'll carry right in. That same energy is going to go right into the next relationship. We're, we're seeing people aspiring now to amazing relationships mm -hmm. instead of just okay. Mm -hmm. You know, on the other side of that coin, it's just okay. It's okay. Yeah. You can tolerate it. It's, it's good sometimes, yeah. maybe. Which but, is where a huge percentage of humanity right. lives. It's okay. But what is tolerance? Right. You know, it's endurance. It's energy. It's ugh. Right. Right? Instead of being just so full-hearted and joyous and, yes. and having, you know, we share in the book several stories that we've had and we've shared with you privately yes, yes. about, the, you know, miracles and multidimensional yeah. experiences that couples can have together with intention and belief. Yeah. Right? So it's just a different way of being in relationship yes. with each other and not to let whatever it was that we left that relationship come in and, and, and taint and stain the next relationship, because oh. it will. You know, Marcus, yeah. you, you, that word that you said, endurance. Yes. That, it's an endurance race for most people. It's an endurance. Yeah. And I want to credit, I wanna credit yeah. Michael. We were having dinner with Michael Fishman. I want to credit Michael for, we were talking about tolerance, yeah. a friend of ours. And he said, underneath tolerance is endurance. Yeah. And endurance has this energy of uh, effort and work. Wow. And we don't want to work on our relationship. And restriction. And restriction, mm -hmm. right? So once yeah. we come to this point, when that happens in our lives where we need to say goodbye, that is the most salient advice that can be given. Instead of looking for blame, looking to honor the love and the good that came from it and recognize this is the contract complete. That's it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, yeah. both of you, for being here again. And it couldn't have come at a better time than right now. So I'm glad the book's here now. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Good, Good to see you. And, of course, we'll yeah. be back together again probably next year. Yeah, We'll look forward sooner. to it. Hope so. Very good. Thank you both thanks. so thanks, much. Thanks, Regina. Again, you can go to asktheo.com to check into ongoing classes, and you'll also be able to pick up this incredibly useful guide to soulful relationships through the normal booksellers. Again, the title is The Art of Relationships, Angelic Insights for Creating Soulful Human Connections. A mouthful, but a beautiful one. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series, all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform.